Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Finding the essential self. In this episode, Eckhart leads a meditation and then answers questions. He says, the essential self is not defined by the personality, life circumstances, or history. It's the transcendent dimension beyond that, which is the only place we will find lasting freedom and true happiness. We may not have awareness of our essential self consistently. We will lose it many times and then regain it. Finding it is a gradual process of waking up to who we truly are. I very much hope that you're not waiting for our meditation to start because it started already. Welcome to another live meditation. Please remember what I may have mentioned before. We are not doing a meditation. We are not doing anything. You can't do a meditation. Meditation is not about doing, but finding the dimension of being, that which already is, always is, the underlying isness, so to speak. Meditation is becoming aware of the space. In this case here, the space between two sentences or two words that I speak. Some spaces are very short, some are longer. And during this live meditation, the spaces are more important than the words. Perhaps I should use the singular. It's always the same space. The space, it appears to be many spaces, but it is the one inner space. So what happens when you become aware of the space? Really, you're not aware of anything as such. The best way of putting it is to say that you are aware of being aware. You can sense this underlying spacious awareness, or as I often call it, presence, and you can sense that as ultimately yourself, the essence of yourself, a beingness. You become aware that you are. You become aware of the I am, a presence. You can't really say much about it, and you can't think about it. It appears when there's a cessation of thinking, and yet you're not falling asleep. You're not becoming unconscious. You're not drifting off into some dreamland. You rise above thinking. That is the alertness that is part of being present. I sometimes refer to that as inner stillness. In the gap between two thoughts, you become aware of an inner stillness. But the awareness and stillness 
are one single thing, or better, no thing. Only when we speak about it, when we use words to talk about it, as soon as you use words, you have a subject and an object in the sentence. Duality arises. So we say, in the gap between two thoughts, you become aware of this inner stillness. And yet, that's not how it ultimately is, because there is no subject-object relationship in that awareness. The awareness and the stillness are the same thing, the same no-thing. Some mystics have used the word nothing. For example, St. John of the Cross, the Spanish medieval mystic, used the word when he was looking for God, and finally he reached, he reached the top of the mountain in one of his poems, and he found nothing, no thing. Does that not remind you of the Buddha's term, sunyata, emptiness? A better translation would be perhaps spaciousness or formlessness. Does that not remind you also of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talks about, which I translate, I provide a more contemporary version of that by calling it, by substituting these words, kingdom. Kingdom means realm or dimension. The realm, the dimension of heaven is the sky, the heavens, the vast spaciousness of the heavens, of the sky. That was the closest word that Jesus could find to point to that inner dimension. So the, the dimension of spaciousness is the kingdom of heaven. It's in you, here and now. Sunyata, emptiness, spaciousness. It is no thing, but it is not nothing. I'm not going to explain that. I believe I wrote somewhere, you are never more essentially yourself than when you are still. When you are still, well, that was the quote, more or less. So, when you are still, you are most essentially yourself, not the form self, the form identity, formless self, which the Buddhists call the no-self. Let me remind you to be aware of the spaces during our meditation. You're not aware of the spaces between words and sentences and even the underlying space, even while I talk, which is all in you, then all you have is concepts and not even particularly interesting concepts because I am talking about no thing, not very memorable. When I speak, the thought arises and immediately becomes the word. It, it arises spontaneously. In between, there's no thought in the gaps. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa, where I, your host and astrologer, Isa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. 
you'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa wherever you get your podcasts. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. So you connect to that state of consciousness of not thinking. When you're looking at someone who is not thinking, who has not fallen below thinking, but risen above thinking, then you're not really looking at a person, but you're looking at something deeper, sensing something deeper, the essence behind the person. And when you sense the essence behind this image, I still look like a person, but on the level of form, I am a person. But when you look into my eyes, for example, the fact that I'm not thinking, that there's only an awareness, can help you to connect with that dimension within yourself. And then we are in the same state of consciousness. And then you're not looking at another person. Then I just reflect back to you who you are essentially beyond the historical person or personality that's conditioned by the past, of course. So there's the historical you that's related to the realm of thinking, the conditioned you with all its memories and experiences, successes and failures, the personality that has a life situation for most of you, in part at least, the life situation is problematic because it is very rare for somebody's life situation not to be problematic, at least in some areas, health, relationships, close relationships, finances, money, career situation, work situation, living situation, your home. And of all these, it's likely that one or two at this time present problems are not going well, so it seems. And that's just how it is. There is no perfect life situation for very long. Everything is in flux, or as the Buddha called it, the impermanence of all things. And so the perfection cannot be found in your life situation. 
although it does improve greatly if you connect with, become aware of that which is deeper than the personality that has a life situation. And that is your essential beingness, your essential self beyond the conditioned personality, beyond the life situation that reflects the conditioned personality. When you're unaware of your essential beingness, the stillness within, the awareness, when you don't know yourself as the awareness, as the consciousness, then your life situation, with all the things that I just mentioned, health, finances, relationship, work, home, all those things that make up your life situation, when you're not aware of the transcendent dimensions in you, then the life situation is all-consuming, assumes an importance that's all-consuming and draws you in, you react to it, and a lot of the time causes you anxiety, stress, regret, resentment, grievances, guilt, fear, unease, frustration, the sense of never arriving where you need to be, the sense of always reaching out to some ultimately unattainable goal, living always for the next mentally projected moment in time. That's normal existence. And this normal existence is what the Buddha called dukkha, meaning suffering. It can also be translated as just plain unhappiness, unsatisfactoriness. And that's why Jesus talked about salvation. What do you need to be saved from? Salvation. Misunderstood concepts by most Christians. You need to be saved from yourself. You need to be saved from an absurdly limited sense of identity, the historical person, the limited, conditioned, mind-made entity, the egoic self. And so how are you saved from yourself? By discovering the transcendent dimension within you the realm of pure awareness, the kingdom of heaven. So you're saved from being confined to this prison, the internal prison of yourself. Of course, your historical person continues for a while. It has its place in the scheme of things. It continues to be important in a way, as I mentioned somewhere else, it continues to matter to some extent, you try to work on it, make it better, why not? Your health, possible, you work on it, you do the right things, eat the right things, respect the body, or work, or acquire new skills, learn new things, create new things, find a new relationship, or work on your existing relationships, strive for more abundance in your life. Nothing wrong with that. All those things have their place. All those things still matter. 
But the difference is they no longer matter absolutely. They are relatively important, but not absolutely important. So all those things are no longer, they don't totally consume you. You don't look to any of those things for some ultimate completion or satisfaction. And then it's actually, everything goes much better. When you don't look to relationship or a relationship to provide you with some ultimate satisfaction, then the relationship suddenly improves greatly because you no longer think that there's somebody there who should make you happy. Or when you acquire a new skill, learn a new something new, a new skill, that's a lovely thing too. When you don't look to it, try to achieve through the acquisition of that skill, to achieve some kind of ultimate satisfaction or completion or fulfillment, then actually you are better at what you do when you, it's no longer serving your egoic self that wants to complete itself through some achievement or some goal or recognition. And you can work on abundance. So if you why not? It's a, it's a, you're playing in the world of form. You are here, you might as well play in the world of form. Not looking to form, whether it's people or situations or conditions or circumstances or things, not looking to the world of form, which is the world, because through it you want to find yourself or become happy. That doesn't work. The happiness, true happiness, I don't even use that word, because happiness usually is used with reference to superficial things. All the things that I mentioned are superficial, ultimately. So true happiness arises when you become aware of the transcendent dimension in yourself. And then there's a peace, an aliveness, a peaceful aliveness, in the background is stillness, but that stillness is alive, and that is consciousness itself, the light of consciousness, which is not yours, it is an emanation of the one source of all life. That one source of all life that is totally transcendent, that you cannot talk about, which is sometimes referred to by a three-letter word, that ultimate source emanates. And your consciousness, which is not yours, it appears to be, but it is an emanation from the one source and remains ultimately connected with the one source, is not separate from it. And all life around you is an emanation. All life around you, therefore, is ultimately you, is ultimately I, the identity of all things, all beings, the essence identity. All expressions of the one consciousness, which is like the light coming from the sun, Consciousness is the light, using this analogy, the sun is the source. So it has been said, I don't remember by whom, but it's beautiful. Consciousness 
is asleep in the stone in the mineral realm. So-called lifeless matter, but it's not lifeless. So-called inanimate matter, but it's not inanimate. Consciousness is asleep in the stone. Consciousness dreams in the plant. Consciousness awakens in the animal. Consciousness becomes aware of itself, potentially, in the human form, through the human form. And that is the purpose of the human form. The purpose is for consciousness to become aware of itself. And that purpose is being fulfilled here and now. And that self-awareness then needs to be there in your daily life. That's the challenge. And you won't necessarily always be able to have that awareness of who you essentially are. You may lose it many times and then regain it. Lose it, regain it. That is the gradual process of awakening to who you truly are. Welcome to a question and answer session. So one question here asks, you've shared the story before of the time when you asked for acceleration. Is there a way to accelerate spiritual awakening? What this question refers to is the story that I told many years ago when I asked to be used for the purpose of spiritual awakening to be used more. I was already doing workshops and meditation sessions and seeing many individuals for counseling sessions, but I had a strong sense that more people needed to be reached. And so I asked, I was in an empty small village church in England, sitting there, and I asked for acceleration of the teaching, getting out into the world. And a few months later it came. I did not ask, though, for acceleration of spiritual awakening, because that had already happened. Now the questioner is asking, is there a way to accelerate spiritual awakening? If you ask, please, I'd like to awaken soon. That probably is not a good way of going about it. Is there a way to accelerate spiritual awakening? Yes, there is. But you don't need to ask in the way that I did, which I was asking for something different. All you need to do, or rather not do, is don't give yourself time. Don't look to the future for spiritual awakening. So that the main focus of your life becomes the present moment. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa, where I, your host and astrologer, Isa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa wherever you get your podcasts. One, two, three, four. 
Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. So instead of projecting some future state that you want to achieve, completely let go of the idea of future, especially with reference to spiritual awakening. And of course, I'm not talking about practical matters, making plans and so on, that's all good. Making appointments, setting intentions, all that is fine, but not look to the future for some ultimate fulfillment, release or awakening. So you bring your attention into the present moment as if past and future did not exist right now. What's left of you, if you're so present, so intensely present, that you don't think about the past, you don't think about the future. Your attention is just here and now. And this is what I mean when I say don't give yourself time for spiritual awakening. Don't look to time to deliver spiritual awakening. Time cannot deliver spiritual awakening. So your attention is in the present moment. There is a certain frequency to that, a certain frequency of consciousness, which is very different from the frequency of consciousness when you are engaged in conceptualization and thinking. So don't give yourself time. That is the way to accelerate spiritual awakening. So as much as possible in your daily life, be intensely present here and now. Now you may not be able to do it when you are engaged in some activity, especially activities that require conceptualization. If it's a physical activity, it's easier to stay present. But there are always moments when you can return to present, even after you've been at the computer, writing emails, whatever. And then in between two emails, you again, you return to presence. Until gradually, even while you're writing an email, there's a sense of presence in the background. Another word for presence is stillness. Alert stillness. And that really accelerates spiritual awakening. It also builds up the power of presence in you, which you will need particularly when challenges come. If there's not sufficient presence power in you, so to speak, consciousness, awareness, if there's not, not enough awareness in you, when you get challenged by life, either in a small way or in a big way, little things go wrong, big things go wrong, loss, disaster, or just obnoxious people, difficult situations, there's not enough presence power in you, then you will fall into a reactivity, mental-emotional reactivity. You will become unconscious because you will become identified with your reaction, identified with the emotion, identified with the thoughts. And you're completely, in spiritual terms, you're then completely unconscious. If there's enough presence power in you, then that can operate when challenges come and 
then you meet challenges in a totally different way. Instead of making drama out of challenges, instead of converting challenges into suffering, you bring presence to the challenge. And then you don't react, you respond. The way I use these two words, react means you're acting out of the conditioning of your mind, your mental-emotional conditioning. You're reacting. Your mental-emotional conditioning, of course, comes from the past. And so when you react, you impose past on the present and you react to the present as if it were the past. But you don't know that because when you're unconscious in that way, you cannot tell the difference. You cannot disentangle what's happening around you, whatever the challenge may be, and your reaction to the challenge. It becomes a single phenomenon. Instead of being able to say, okay, this is the situation, and this is my reaction to the situation. There are two things. If you were able to do that, you would already be aware, so you don't get drawn into the reaction. And even if the reaction still operates in you, there would be some awareness in the background. So you would not be totally identified with the reaction. But if you're really present, if there's enough presence power in you, when you get challenged, now whether the challenge is standing in the lineup at the airline counter and it's not moving and the flight has been cancelled, or standing in the waiting for this or that, you're trying to get through to the somebody to talk to at the bank and all you can get is a machine. <laughs> Small challenges that make up daily life, but it multiplies to the bigger challenges. You go out, you want to go back to your car, the car is gone, been stolen, slightly bigger. You get home, your house has collapsed. The degree of challenge may be different, but the basic mechanism behind reactivity is the same. So when you meet a challenge not through reactivity, but in presence, the way in which you deal with it is very different. First, you're able to take truly intelligent and creative action. You do what's necessary, but not from the conditioning of your mind, but whatever it is that needs to be done arises out of your conscious presence. And you can deal intelligently with situations people, and so on. And the suffering diminishes and even dissolves, the suffering that otherwise would have been caused by the challenge. So spiritual awakening then can only be here and now. That means now. And even now, as you are seeing, looking at me and listening to this, it means now. Are you able to stay absolutely present right here and now? And what's left of you in this moment, when you don't remember your past, your victories, your successes, your failures, your personal history, and you don't think about the future, what may happen tomorrow or next year, or is this going, am I going to get this, am I going to lose that? All that has dissolved in just a sense of conscious presence. What's left of you, not the personality, because the personality exists through past, the, the past, 
The memories of past, the conditioning of your past makes up the personality. So what's left of you is just a sense of conscious presence, has no particular form. And to know yourself as conscious presence is spiritual awakening. And it's here and now. Uh, so that is the acceleration of spiritual awakening. Another question that's in some ways related to the previous one. I appreciate your comments about bringing awareness to reactions and have been working on that. However, I'm still not clear about what constitutes an appropriate response in those moments. For instance, when I'm irritated or upset, rather than my automatic reaction of yelling or shutting down, what should I do instead? So what constitutes an appropriate response in those moments when you're being challenged, something goes wrong and so on? So for instance, the questioner says, when I'm irritated or upset, rather than my automatic reaction of yelling or shutting down, what should I do instead? Well, I wouldn't say it's a question of should, but when there is some awareness left in you and that's connected with what I described in my previous answer as enough presence power in you, then you will be able to know that you are reacting in a certain way and the possibility of choice begins to come in. And the choice is, is this the only way to react to this situation? Is this a helpful way to react to this situation? Let's say there's the irritation that I feel, the anger that I feel, wanting to shout or wanting to whatever. And maybe you're already shouting, but there's some awareness in the background and that awareness, which is a higher form of intelligence than the conditioned mind, and that awareness looks at your reaction and somehow the question arises, is there a better way to deal with this situation? Or is this the only way to deal with the situation? Is this an intelligent way to deal with it? Does this really improve the situation? And so only you can know in that moment and when there's reactivity, always it will be the case that there is another way of dealing with the situation. There is another way of facing the situation. You're no longer totally trapped in your reactivity. So you don't ask yourself, how should I face the situation? How should I deal with the situation? But ask yourself, is this way of dealing with it actually helpful? The reaction, what did the questioner say? Yelling or shutting down, whatever the reaction is. Is that the most helpful thing? Is that the most intelligent way of dealing with the situation? Those questions can only arise out of your awareness, out of your presence. These questions come. And they may not even be formulated as thoughts. The question is implied within the awareness. It might not even, does not need to be spoken, not even spoken in your mind. Because when there's awareness, you can actually identify a reaction as unhelpful. You can immediately recognize it as contributing nothing helpful to the situation making your own life miserable in many cases when it's not necessary. Freedom comes in and then 
out of the awareness, a different way of dealing with a situation arises. It might not even be a decision-making process. The anger, you don't need to say, I must not be angry, that does, that's not awareness. Let's say if it's anger or irritation, you're able to look at the anger and realize it adds nothing useful to the situation, it just makes it more unpleasant. And in many cases, it's a dysfunction. And you might also notice something in you loves. Love in a... Not true love, of course. Something in you wants the anger. Something in you likes the anger in that situation. It thrives on it. You're almost addicted to it in that moment. You want more of it. You know, like you've probably encountered people, they're shouting at you, and after a couple of minutes, they, they leave the room. And a few seconds later, they come back, the door opens, because they need to shout a bit more. They have <laughs> had some new ideas what they can say to you. And if at that moment, somebody told them that this is a dysfunctional way of dealing with the situation, they wouldn't want to hear that. You need to observe in yourself when it happens an almost an addicti addictive quality to the reactivity. When you are in its grip, it is a form of addiction. And it is an addiction that keeps, that the, it's an addiction of the ego. It keeps the ego going, not only keeps it going, it inflates the ego. Anger particularly does that. It's a huge ego inflation. Anger is always, because in Miracles says, <laughs> anger is always an attempt to make somebody feel guilty. <laughs> and when you are able to do that, then of course, by implication, you are superior, of course, to the person or situation that you're angry at. And the ego loves that superiority that comes with anger, moral superiority, righteous anger, being offended, a very fashionable thing these days on the internet, being offended by this, being offended by that, outraged, I'm outraged. And you can go on the, go on the internet and feel angry while you're posting your, your angry posts. Oh, it's so wonderful, really. And when you observe that you actually, something in you loves that, but at the same time, you see, it's, it's, it's not helpful to anybody. It's not helpful to you. It's not helpful to them. It just creates more drama. And so when there is awareness, some awareness in the background, you can suddenly see, is there another way of dealing with this? Or perhaps there's nothing that I need to do. Perhaps it's best not to, not to say anything in some situations. But it, when there's awareness in you, then you, out of the awareness, a more intelligent way, a non-dysfunctional way of dealing with situations and people arises. What that is varies from situation to situation. So the question then, when I'm irritated or upset, rather than my automatic reaction of yelling or shutting down, what should I do instead? So this, I've just answered that. Don't ask yourself, what should I do? Just ask yourself, is there another way? A more intelligent way? A more sane way? 
And invariably, you will find that there indeed is a more sane way of dealing with the situation. And one more related question to this. What can I do in the heat of the moment to break free from old reactive patterns? I tend to lose it, so to speak, before there is awareness. I'm trying to have awareness and presence before I react. Any suggestions? So you can see how it's related to what we've just been saying and partially, partly I have already answered it, but I will add a little bit more. So what can I do in the heat of the moment to break free from old reactive patterns? I tend to lose it before there is awareness. So the questioner gets taken over by the reaction before awareness can arise. He says, I'm trying to have awareness and presence before I react, but how? And again, that comes back to what I mentioned earlier. You need to cultivate presence in non-challenging situations so that you can sustain presence when the challenges come. And of course, as you know, they keep coming. If you think you will reach a point in your life when you will no longer experience, experience life as challenging, some people think that, that that's possible or even desirable, then you're deceiving yourself. Life is challenge. You can almost equate life with challenge. Not only for humans, every life form, animals, plants, every life form has its challenges. If it didn't have its challenges, it's talent meaning obstacles on your path, something seemingly negative that seems to prevent you from going where you want to go, where you feel you need to go, an obstacle on your path. So it's, if you don't realize the nature of life, it may sometimes almost seem that there's some malicious deity or devil that continuously puts obstacles in your path that seems to delight in sabotaging your designs. And that would be a misinterpretation of how life happens and unfolds. There's nothing personal in that. Everybody, in different ways, gets intensely challenged by life, continuously encounters obstacles. And the strange thing is, the only way that you can evolve as a human being, the only way you can grow in consciousness is by encountering obstacles. And then you overcome the obstacles or you transcend the obstacles. And that is how the evolution of consciousness happens. So it's a all those seemingly negative things that happen in your life that look like blockages potentially are doorways into awakened consciousness. So let's come back to the question. I tend to lose it before there's awareness. I'm trying to have awareness and presence before I react. Usually the progression, the, as you evolve in consciousness, as you become more conscious, usually it goes like this. After you've been 
engaged in some unconscious reactivity and it's now subsided and then suddenly awareness comes back and say, oh, I got completely caught up in my reaction. So when the energy of it has subsided, then the awareness returns. It, the awareness had become obscured completely. Your presence had become obscured completely by the mental emotional reaction. And when it's subsided, then the awareness comes back and oh. And out of the awareness, other non-helpful thoughts may arise like, oh, I just can't do it. Why do you always lose? I always lose it. Why can't I do this? And then next time it happens, you still react. And just as the energy subsides of the reactivity, you already, as it begins to subside, awareness already comes in there. So in the final stages of your reaction, some awareness comes back in. The next thing that happens is you're engaged, you're in the middle of a reaction, and in the middle of the reaction, an awareness arises in you. It doesn't free you, you're still reacting, but there is an awareness that knows that you're reacting in that way. And then as there's even more consciousness awareness in you, you they can even be there in the beginning of it, just as the reaction arises. It may not yet stop it, or it may, but not by suppressing it, but it could stop it by realizing this is very dysfunctional, this is, it's, it's not intelligent, is there a better way, as I mentioned before. At this stage already, freedom is there, the possibility of choosing something else. And so, as, as awareness grows in you, then you may reach the point also where it is so, you're so present that the old reactivity doesn't arise anymore at all. But until that happens, work with it. Use the challenge as part of your spiritual practice. Don't beat yourself up if you lose it, if you lose it again and again. Build up your presence power, as I said before, in non-challenging situations, when you're waiting somewhere and you're not particularly challenged. Bring your attention completely to the present moment. Be here now. You're waiting at the elevator. It's only 20 seconds, 30 seconds and you're present. I recommend, by the way, that whenever you have short periods of waiting, resist the temptation of getting your phone out of your pocket and looking at it and engaging with it. What for? Use it instead, unless there's something important. You have to make a call, there's an important message but not as an habitual, an automatic thing as most people these days do. There's no moment when their mind is not engaged in something. There's complete lack of spaciousness, inner spaciousness. The addictive quality of the phone, the smartphone, as it's called, that is, can be very unhelpful to the arising of presence. So don't fall into this trap this addictive pattern of filling up every little moment in your life when in, before smartphones existed, you might have just sat there and looked around. 
But no, no longer these days sits anywhere and looks around. Nobody go to a public place, they're all looking at them, do engaged in this. What are they? They're not aware of their surroundings. So they're not present. They are, this is an externalization of the human mind. It amplifies, the smartphone amplifies the human mind. Yes, it can be used for helpful things too, but in many, many cases, and most of the time, it actually obscures your awareness. So be aware of the addictive nature of it. Use it when it's needed, of course. I have one too. (laughs) Virtually everybody has one. And it is an externalization, of course, of the human mind. Don't become its slave. Don't be addicted to it. Another good thing is to, idea is to keep your bedroom free of devices. And you, at least you have some space before you go to sleep and when you wake up. But also during the day, waiting, short moments of waiting. Don't fill up every moment. So bring attention to these short moments whenever you're waiting for something so that you can use those moments in as growing in presence. Then you build up presence power. And then it will be much easier to deal with the challenges when they come. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.